Welcome into Hardcore Penn State Football. The Penn State Nittany Lions 1-0 after the 35-31 win in West Lafayette against the Purdue Boilermakers. A lot and lot to talk about from that game. We got quarterback potential controversy. Did the defense do enough? What about the running game? We got some fan questions we're going to get into. Pretty fun episode for you guys today. So without further ado, in just one moment, Sean and I will break it all down. Let's get into it, everybody. Welcome into Hardcore Penn State Football. Penn State Indy Lions 1-0 after that 35-31 win against the Purdue Boilermakers in West Lafayette. With me, as always, on this awesome Sunday morning, Sean Kane. How are you doing today, Sean? I am especially easy on this Sunday morning, Corey, because my team was victorious on Thursday night, and yesterday was a great day of football. Yeah, I... I'm with you as far as the happy they won, but as far as health and well-being goes, I am definitely not on the same page as you. I'm not sure if it's a cold. I'm not sure what's kind of going on, but um, we're going to fight through it today. It's Hopefully it doesn't sound too bad. I don't, hopefully it don't sound too nasally, um, but we're going to – I mean, it's too good of a day to not be talking about Penn State football. That's what I'm saying, yeah, and if you're feeling sick – just think about how we're one and all this week, and that'll probably get you through. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense, right? That makes sense. Well, a lot to talk about today. Uh, I mean, before we get into all of it, because we're going to get into all of it, because um, first of all, I want to give a shout out to you. You did a fantastic job on the Twitter uh, live updates and whatnot. I thought, you you know, you weren't, you. you weren't too negative or too positive. I thought you, you know, you didn't, you know. Uh, flip out when things got really rough there for a little bit, but you also, you know, were pretty, uh, I feel like honest with, with your analysis. So I thought you did a really good job, dude. Thank you. Yeah. It was a lot of fun interacting with the fans. Um, yeah, I really like doing it. 
Next week, uh, we all know how the Beaver Stadium Wi-Fi is. It doesn't exist. And when you have 107,000 people trying to get on the Internet, it doesn't always go well. So I can't promise what I could do next week. I, it might have to go to Corey next week to handle that. Yeah, actually, I think that it's actually going to work out well. I think I might be able to uh, to help you out a little bit next week. So we'll, we'll be okay there. Again, if you want to follow along with the game, Hardcore PSU on Twitter or Hardcore PSU FB on Twitter um, for all of that. Yeah, before we get down the rabbit hole of the game itself, um, Sean, I guess this is just something that we're going to have to – it's probably going to be one of the talking points for the whole season, and that is between Sean Clifford and Drew Aller. Uh, when you bring in a five-star guy and you have an inconsistent starter – I guess, Sean, we should just expect the birds to always be chirping no matter what. Anytime Sean Clifford does anything wrong, I mean, someone's going to come out of the woodwork and start, uh, start telling us how they feel. Yeah, that's true. Um, and the bright, shiny new object is always going to be desirable, uh, especially when your starter struggles at times, uh, which uh, Sean did on Thursday. Um and do, do we want to do the Sean Clifford thing now? No, no, not okay. yet. Yeah, yeah. So that's just the way. That's just the way it's gonna be. And and fans have a right to be excited about Drew Aller. He's he looks like he's gonna be a really really good quarterback. Um, yeah. And like I said, you see bright shiny object. You see someone struggling. You want to replace the thing struggling with the bright shiny object. Yeah, that's only human natural, according to Kevin. In the office. Um, before we go there, let's go five star reviews. We have two new five star reviews. Again, if you review five star review our podcast on Apple or Spotify and you let us know, we will send you a sticker. I think we got a couple left still, and uh, we have two to read, uh, and we'll get right into those right now. So, again, please go do that. It helps us out a little bit. The goal is to get to 100 before the end of the season. We're at 73 right now. So, um, just, you know, keep it going. We really do appreciate it. It does help us out. So thank you very much. Uh, this one was from uh, Bo Longsnake. And I actually know who this is. So thank you, Bo. Fired up. Five-star review. Long-time listener. My favorite podcast. Spending a lot of time in the car. And this makes the drive so much easier. Corey's one of my favorite people I've met during my time at Penn State. Always very knowledgeable on getting people fired up on game days. A few years later, I'm graduating, living in another state, and he's still getting us fired up. And the know of our and in the know of our favorite team. Keep up the great work, brother. So that was nice. That was thank you very much, Bill. I appreciate that. Um, very nice. Thank you. Yeah, thank you very much. This next one came from QG Who. Uh, should have tuned in sooner. Five star review. I have been following Hardcore PSU FB on Twitter for a while. So even though I am not a podcast person, I thought I would give it a listen. I listened to the season preview episode and really enjoyed hearing the different perspectives that, perspectives that each of you have. The analysis was really well put together. I look forward to listening to more of your podcasts and checking out the YouTube account, YouTube account as well. Hashtag we are. So thank you to QG Who Appreciate for that it. one. Yeah, those are two fantastic five-star reviews. Um, definitely going to make sure we get them stickers out to those guys. But please, or ladies... Um, please, 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 if you have a moment, go ahead and go on Apple and do that. 
Uh, we would very much appreciate it. Uh, before we get into, I was get, we usually go fan questions here, but because the fan questions are so related to the game, I want to hold off on fan questions for just a second. Um, and I want to go uh, PSU players in the NFL because cut day finally happened. So we know kind of where people are at most likely for a little bit longer of a period. And then we're going to do a quick recruiting update. And then we're going to go Purdue Penn State preview or recap. I did preview. I said preview again, even though I, I wrote down preview too in my notebook today. Um, then we'll go Penn State Purdue recap the rest of the way. So uh, if you're here for the quick analysis, we'll get there in like, three minutes um let's start with penn state players in the nfl sean i'm just gonna read them all off to you real quick and kind of like just let you know where um where they stand on the depth chart ourlads.com has an awesome list of uh of where everybody's at and i like double checked a couple of them and, and they're spot on so ourlads.com has this full list thank you to those guys or girls over there we uh we really appreciate it um, so let's just start from the top. I think this is the top. Is this the top? I don't even know if this is the top or not. It doesn't really matter. Uh, Jesse Lucada, practice squad on the Cardinals. Tracy McSorley, practice squad on the Cardinals. Arnold Ebicady, looks like he's second string outside linebacker, edge player for the Falcons. Derek Tangelo, practice squad for the Falcons. Uh, Odafe Owe. Starter, edge rusher for the Ravens. Jordan Stout, uh, starter for the Ravens. Ryan Bates, starter for the Bills. Daquan Jones, starter for the Bills. Etor Gross Matos, starter for the Bills. Oh, I mean, not for the Bills, for the Panthers. Panthers, yeah. Uh, John Lovett. Uh, practice squad for the Panthers. So he he was able, he got cut. We mentioned that, but got back on the practice squad. Brandon Smith, looks like he's, I don't know if these are, these might not be right, the round. Uh, yeah, I might not have the depth chart, so I'm not going to stop seeing the depth chart. Uh, but Brandon Smith, linebacker for the Panthers, he's on the team. Um, yeah, no, I think that's right. And looks like he's third string middle linebacker right now, so he's got some work to do. Uh, Jaquan Brisker, looking like he's going to start for the Bears at safety. I didn't know this. I did not know Nick Bowers was still in the NFL. Nick Bowers, practice squad for the Bengals. Did you know that one, Sean? I did not. Uh, I always like I always Bowers, though, so it doesn't shock me. Didn't he, he was the one that had like he the awesome block. dunks, right? Didn't he have a couple of cool dunks that he was that him? I I believe he did. Yeah, he was um he, he was pretty good. He was just behind some really talented guys at Penn State. All right, see so there you go. Connor McGovern going to be starting at left guard for the Cowboys. Uh, Michael Parsons, I think you guys have probably heard of him. He'll be starting, obviously, for the Cowboys. K.J. Hamler, looks like he might be getting some serious playing time in that slot spot for the Broncos. Russell Wilson there, so I'm kind of excited for him coming back from that knee injury. Jason Cabinda, uh, I th- I don't know if he's officially healthy or not yet. Playing fullback for the Lions. Amani Ararie, uh, starting corner for the Lions. Adrian Amos, starting safety for the Packers. Rashid Walker, second String offensive tackle for the Packers, which nice. Look, all the credit to him. And I saw he even tweeted about Penn State football on Thursday. So, but I am shocked by that one. That's just all I'm gonna say. Yeah, um, the talent to do it. Good for here's him. another. Here's another surprising one. 
Will Fry is offensive lineman. They have it at tackle and guard for the Colts' second string, so he made the cut. Um, Austin Johnson, defensive tackle for the Chargers. Looks like he's going to play, be playing a lot. Grant Haley makes the practice squad for the uh, Rams. Allen Robinson just drafted in my fantasy team, actually, playing for the Rams as well. Nick Scott looks like he might be playing a considerable larger role as a safety spot for the Rams, too. So three three uh, Rams players, now Penn State players. So that's cool to see. Your boy, Mike Gusecki, tight end for the Dolphins, at least for now. We'll see what happens there. Um, mm-hmm. Dan uh, Chisena, still practice squad for the Vikings. Uh, Blake Gillikin, of course, putting for the Saints. Saquon Barkley with the Giants. Cam Brown makes it on the team for the Giants as well, which, again, I think Cam Brown's done a fantastic job continuing to be able to play there. Mike, Miles Sanders, still the running back at the Eagles. Uh, Marcus Allen was cut, and then apparently it was just like a a salary issue. So it sounds like they're going to re-sign him. Um, Yeah, I think he was re-signed. Okay, so that one was one we thought, oh, well. But he has like really hasn't played very much football since going to the NFL. Uh, Pat Fryermuth, tight end for the uh, Steelers. John Reed makes the cut uh, for the Seahawks. Not even practice squad. Like, he made the actual team, so that's nice to see John Reed still out there. Um, his uh, fun fact for you, Sean, his girlfriend sat with us uh, at football games. When we I think I knew that. Yeah, I think she was B because I sat uh, up front with you guys for the Ohio State game, and she was like a row behind me. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. She, fantastic people there, so that's always nice to see. Yep. Kevin Kevin Givens, I think Kevin Givens is going to play a lot for the 49ers this year, um, and they have a really good defensive line. So that's that. Kevin Givens is a guy a lot of people gave crap to for going out early, and he has made a lot of money. Um, didn't come from a great background, too, so, I mean – that's awesome to see him taking a chance I love on himself. Kevin yeah. Love that. Robbie Gould still kicking it, uh, physically and literally, or, or or not physically and literally, literally and <laughs> what's what's the word I'm looking for? Literally and figuratively. Figuratively, thank you. Yep. Um, with the 49ers as well. Chris Godwin, Carl Nassib signed a one year deal, and Donovan Smith all on the Buccaneers, all going to contribute quite a bit. And then this one, kind of surprising me. Troy Apke re-signed to the practice squad for the Commanders. Tariq Castro-Field was signed off of the 49ers practice squad. Um, wait, is that right? Yeah, off of the 49ers practice mm-hmm. squad to the Commanders, I believe. So, uh, And then Jahan Dodson and Chaka Tony. So there's four players now on the Washington Commanders. And just if you're curious, that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Eight, nine Penn State players in the NFC East alone, if you're wanting to figure out what division you should be paying attention to. They love their local guys, apparently. Easy to get to the campus and see them for pro days and stuff, too. They have a lot of inside people and all that. Yeah, that's that's a good point, actually. You know, I heard that the Rams scout was actually at Penn State's practice this past week, so that was kind of interesting. Oh, interesting. Um, all right, so that's all I have for that. So obviously the season's starting soon. I would like to just say that my fantasy team that uh, one of our buddies helped us with quite a bit I ended up with, what, Allen Robinson, Saquon Barkley, and Jahan Dotson for Penn State players. So um, I got Dotson in mind, too. Yeah, I got him really late. And uh, I actually have Terry mm-hmm. McLaurin as well, but I just figured why not. So Yeah, there you go. Double up. 
double up. Why not? Not what you're supposed to do, but double up. Um, okay, so let's go recruiting updates. Sean, I only had a couple things. First one, another crystal ball in for uh, Zion Tracy. This is a guy we mentioned last week. We talked about him a lot last week. I think it's pretty inevitable he's going to be committing here sooner than later. Um, again, from New York, three-star guy, came to Penn State's camp, I guess, a month ago now. Uh, did some really good things, competed really hard, and earned himself a scholarship. So uh, that's a big name to pay attention to, or the the new or the the guy who's most likely going to commit next. Um, we talked a lot about him in the last episode. Just go back and watch that last episode. Um, let me see what else I got here. I got uh, KV on Keys signed with or signed, but committed to UNC. Again, we told everybody that that doesn't necessarily mean that's over there. I don't know how much Penn State's really in the running, but uh, some other schools might be involved. So pay attention to that one. If they can get him back on for an unofficial visit, maybe there's a chance. But uh, for right now, he's at least committed to UNC. Uh, the only other thing I was going to say was a lot of – I don't know if you're, if you're following us on Twitter. I started retweeting all of the people that just got scholarships, and a lot, a lot of 2024 guys – just got scholarships from all over the place. So Penn State started to throw out some of those scholarships. Uh, we'll see kind of what happens here. This is the 2024 class. This is a pretty big fall as far as going to visit some of these games and whatnot. So uh, so pay attention there. Sean, anything else to add to that? Yeah, like you said, a lot of the uncommitted uh, 2024 guys, this is really the year that you get to a bunch of different campuses. Um if you're uncommitted by this time next year, you're probably down to two, three schools. So you're going to see a lot of uh, a lot of road tripping this this time of year for the 2024 guys. Uh, I agree with you. I think Zion Tracy commits this week. Uh, he's visiting for the Ohio for the Ohio game. He might commit before that. He might commit after. He might commit during. Uh, but I'm expecting him to probably join the class this week. I, I would probably be concerned if we get to next Monday and he's still not committed. Um, so maybe not concerned, but I'd be like, oh, surprise, maybe surprise is a better word because I still think he'll end up with Penn State. Okay, well, there we go. So be on commit watch this week, ladies and gentlemen. Um, all right, that's all I had. Uh, so if there's any other housekeeping items, Sean, uh, speak now or forever. Let's get into Purdue recap. I am ready to get into Purdue. Okay. Uh, I have five. Is it five? One, two, three, four. Yeah, we have five fan questions this week, and I thought this was a good way to break the ice and kind of get into the conversations. Um, oh, no, but wait, should I do that before? Yeah, we can do it before. Yeah, we'll do these questions now, um, and then we'll get into some notes later. Uh, first question comes from Danny Fanimo 2. Are we going to address Jair Brown's game? I Am the o- am I the only one that was thought it was this? Oh, Jesus. I am the only one. Basically, he thinks he was disappointed, um, right. not great in coverage, shied away from a big hit opportunity opportunity early in the game. Thought he'd be more of an X factor. Uh, There's just some awful grammar in there, and it was tripping me up. But thank you, Danny Phantom, for the question. Um, Sean, I'll let you go first. Yeah, I understand. I, I understand where Danny's coming from. Um, I mean. They had Jair Brown doing a lot of different things. He was in the box more than I think he usually is. 
so he was playing a lot closer to the line. I know he said going into this game that he would like to get a sack. Um, so they had him doing, they had him spread out a little, uh, may, maybe spread out a little thin, especially for your first, first time in the, uh, in the new defense. Um, I don't think I'm concerned, um, but I wasn't thrilled by the way he played. Uh, I, I, I remember him getting stiff armed, stiff armed inside the five. I mean, Hey, it's going to happen. Um, not his best game, but I'm expecting him to get better as he gets used to the scheme and the season goes on. I think in that that play early on, I know what he's talking about, where um, I think it was, was it the first series, the ball was up and it looked like maybe Brown could have made a play. I don't know if he thought the ball was going to be over the receiver's head and he was going to intercept it. It just kind of looked like he was playing as if it was going to go over the receiver's head or be tipped or something, so... I don't know exactly what went on there or if he just lost the ball, but it was abnormal. I don't think he was shying away from the hit. Uh, I just think for whatever reason, he thought it was going to be over that guy's head or, or whatever the case. It was kind of a weird play. Um, and then what else strikes out to me about his game was he did have the two missed tackles. Really one bad one where he got stiff armed by King Doru in the first touchdown. The second one wasn't necessarily his fault. It, it would have been a tough tackle. Um, but he did have a chance at Doru before he got in the end zone on the second rushing touchdown. Uh, just those things make you think, you know, how much we, you know, kind of missed Jaquan Brisker there because Brisker was so good at coming up and making those tackles. Um, I'm not worried about it being week one, but it was something that I think was fair to bring up. And uh, the secondary is something we're going to be talking about, I feel like, quite a bit. But there's also some really good plays that he had and and a lot of these guys in the secondary had um and also remember you know just how much they were throwing the ball too i i think you got to the volume of which they had to defend passes without giving up really that many big plays um i thought it was pretty impressive so so yes i i understand the criticism i i'm not too concerned about it right now um also he is now the dude, right? So you had Brisker before. Now he's the dude. So, you know, maybe people aren't going to be throwing the ball his way as much, and maybe he won't be as involved. Um, but what does that have to wait and kind of see? I mean, everybody, everyone knows if you're going to choose to pick on Jair Brown or pick on Keaton Ellis slash Zaki Wheatley, you're going to choose the you know the latter. So, uh, And that's what happened on that touchdown pass to Charlie Jones in the back of the end zone. Wheatley – just kind of let the guy kind of fall behind him and took a little bad step, and that's all it needed for, for Jones to get in, into the end zone. You could argue that probably doesn't happen if Brown's on that side. Right, and remember what we said about Jair Brown going into this year, uh, that he led the country in interceptions. I mean, guess what? The co- All the opposing coaches know that, too. So they're going to be uh, more than cautious to try to throw Jair Brown's way. Right, right. Uh, let's move on. This one's from Matt McGloin's Ego. I believe he has uh, five-star reviewed us, actually, before, and he's asked us a couple questions. So thank you, Matt McGloin's Ego. Um, how long do you think Elson will start at the middle linebacker spot? Personally, was not high on, high on him on Thursday night. Usually my eyes draw on the middle linebacker, but he was invisible to me all night. Matt, or Matt McGloin's Ego, <laughs> um, I thought something similar but when i rewatched the game on friday he popped up more to me than 
I realize. There was a couple of plays he really did a good job scraping and, and pushing uh, Doru back inside and, and making the play. A uh, couple times he was in good coverage against Payne Durham. He wasn't perfect. Sometimes he was a little slow. Um, but for it being his first true start, I wasn't I wasn't disappointed by any means. I, I don't know if you know he was amazing. But I wasn't disappointed. I think there's room for improvement, obviously. But I thought, Sean, that we would see about 50-50 between him and King. But based off the snap count, Elson played a lot more than Kobe King. So I I was a little surprised by that. Um, I don't think either of them won the job this week by any stretch of the imagination. Um, But I wasn't too concerned. I, I I think the linebackers in general could play better. But I wasn't too upset based on this was his first start. Yeah, I I pretty much agree with that. I also rewatched the game, and there were some tackles that he made that I actually forgot about. I was like, oh yeah, Tyler Ellison made that tackle uh, during the game, and I think immediately after the game, I was texting Corey saying, you know, Ellison looked kind of invisible tonight, and he did look slow, uh, which you know, I mean, it's it's not great but i thought he looked kind of slow uh but ellis brooks wasn't very fast uh nobody's saying that the first brandon smith uh if you guys remember him nobody was confusing him with any track star but things like being you know adjusting to a new scheme and getting comfortable in that and in just playing college football because ellison is a very young guy i think that's gonna pay off a long way uh there's probably a lot of things that they saw in film that they could definitely correct. Just being, uh, you know, trusting your instincts more, reading plays quicker. Uh, so do I think Elsden, while I think, you know, maybe he's not the fastest guy in the world, that's not the end of the world. Um, and I, to answer the question more directly, how long do I expect him to be the starting linebacker, middle linebacker? Um, I mean, at least for next week, uh, because Kobe King, like Corey said, didn't play a whole lot when he did get in, also didn't really blow me away. Right, and uh, you play faster when you know what you're doing, too. So That's a good point. I don't think it was necessarily you know fair just to be like, oh, he's just a slow little linebacker. I think he will get faster uh, once he gets more comfortable. And the Jeff Brom offense is not really um, the first defense you want to or be the first offense you have to face on defense uh, when you're making your first start. So there's a little I mean, there's a lot of moving pieces. They're trying to get different guys involved. Uh, so and again, it's an experienced quarterback, too. And uh, Penn State played a lot of man coverage. And I thought in general, the linebackers did a pretty good job in man coverage. So. Uh, Payne Durham easily could have had a, a much better day than he did. Um, and I don't, I don't, I thought they did a pretty good job against him. He could end up being one of the better tight ends in the country this year. So, uh, yeah, I, I thought Ellison did okay. And yeah, I, I agree with you, Sean. I mean, I don't think King did anything to surpass him. So for at least another week, I will say this though, Auburn is going to run the football a bunch and that will probably be the game where it makes or breaks our linebacker depth. Uh, so we'll have to wait and see for that one. Uh, we can talk a little bit more Auburn at the end of the end of the week uh, or end of the episode. Let's go to the next question. This is from Sage Lear, S. Lear 25 on Twitter. 
What did you think about the play calling? I feel they need more running plays from the pistol or quarterback under center and let these freshman backs get some speed going at the line of scrimmage. Sean, your thoughts. Yeah, um, as far as the pass plays, though, I was generally fine with. I do want to see more creativity, though, in the run game. It felt like everything was just an inside zone. And I don't know if it felt like this to Corey. I feel like we ran to the right side a lot. And I would argue the right side is way weaker than the left side. Um, and there was, you know, no pitches, no um it, it just didn't seem to be all that much creativity to the run game uh so i didn't love it uh all together like i said i, I think you called an okay game a uh, first game in the mike Yersich era where the first conference game in the mike Yersich era where the offense scored more than 30 points so that's a milestone that you have to be able to clear uh so i would like to see a little bit more creativity uh with the run game but I was happy that the that the tight ends seemed to be more involved last night than I expected, or not last night, Thursday night than I expected, and that we've that we saw last year. I agree. Uh, I really, I literally wrote down the exact same thing you said about more creativity in the run game. Got to find different ways to to get them the ball in space. Uh, they did have that one drive where they went Nick Singleton, Nick Singleton, Nick Singleton. And he was moving it, and then they went to that fly sweep. So I thought that was different. I thought that was like, okay, we're mixing it up a little bit, trying in different ways. And I thought that caught Purdue off guard as well. So that was nice to see. Uh, I liked going to the uh, the T formation, if you will, even though they – and I would love it. They went QB sneak. So all that stuff's going on in the backfield. You know, we've seen them use that formation before where they run a counter or they run a lead dive. Uh, but I love going to the QB sneak there. So I like that they brought that formation out and made Purdue think about something other than QB sneak, and then they went with QB sneak anyway. So that was nice to see. They went with a uh, unbalanced formation one time where they brought in an extra offensive lineman. So that was kind of cool. That that that's also in the uh, in the toolbox if needed. So th- there were a couple things they tried to do that I thought were good in the running game, but they still need to find different ways to get more involved. Uh, ben Jones had a good point that Sean Clifford didn't run very much, and Clifford even said he he isn't going to try to run as much, at least scrambling-wise. I don't know if that's a good thing for Penn State. Um, you could argue Sean Clifford, when healthy, needs to be able to run a little bit more. Uh, but he Sean Clifford really didn't hold on to the ball and read options very much. So we'll have to kind of pay attention to that. I, I think Clifford has to probably run for about 40 to 50 yards uh, against better opponents in order for, in order for us to win. So that was a little bit interesting as far as the running game is concerned. Uh, to your point, I thought the tight ends are super involved. I thought, if anything, uh, the tight ends kind of let Yersich down. I mean, they got a lot of opportunities uh, to catch the ball. And, and honestly, Tyler Warren, as far as like giving out poor grades, I thought Tyler Warren probably didn't have his best day. He had a couple drops. Um the passing game, I was happy with what your stitch was bringing to the table. I thought he did a lot of different things. We saw a couple more like flanker screens. We saw some wide receiver screens. Uh, I liked how they were getting the ball out fast to those guys, especially early on. I mean, just think about the drops and, and what your was calling a great game early on. I mean, that Parker Washington drop, if he catches that, he's going for a while and he just couldn't catch it. Uh, Keandre Lambert-Smith had two really bad drops. Even the first drive, 
probably should have been caught by Keandre Lambert Smith. The the trice for Purdue made a really good play, but honestly, Lambert Smith probably still should have been found a way to shield him out and catch it. So I thought in the passing department, I thought Yurcich did a really good job. Uh, I mean, even the Trey Wallace catch that wasn't an easy catch, but I mean. That was a hell of a throw by Sean Clifford just to get a give him a chance in that tight window. Uh, you kind of want your guys to catch those ones. I mean, whatever the saying goes, as far as if you get your hands on it, you need to catch it. That was it wasn't going to be an easy grab, but one when you really need something like that, they need to come down with it. I, and also uh, wanted to give a shout. I love the fourth and two call going to that play action and then throwing it right back to Devin Ford. I, I thought did that, too. That was a really cool play. Uh, and also, I mean, such an interesting decision to bring Devin Ford in at a time like that uh, kind of shows maybe the trust they have with Devin Ford. And, hey, we need this to go right. Let's go to Devin Ford. He's fresh. And to Ford's credit, I mean, it's one thing to be on the sideline and being ready to come in and be able to contribute right away. So shout out to Devin Ford. But also that was a great play call. Um, and, and Purdue wasn't ready for it at all. And then finally, all I'm going to say is the red zone. Right. I mean, Penn State was three for three with three touchdowns in the red zone, something that we've harped on a lot. Maybe not so much with your stitch, but in previous years, quite a bit. And so to start the year three for three uh, with three touchdowns on the road, even without a running game, I thought that was pretty impressive. So I uh, feel pretty good as far as the play calling was go goes. I mean, there's only so much you can do when you're averaging three point one yards per carry. And I thought your you know, did as much as he could. I, I will say this. I don't know how much they're going to continue to go to the ground game uh, when it's not working. Because when they go fast pace, up tempo, they're just so much better. When they're throwing it all over the yard, I, I just don't. We can probably get into it more in, in, in the next episode on, on Wednesday night. But if they are unable to run the ball against Ohio, at what point, Sean, do you just say, we're, we're going to alter the play calling, we are just going to be a pass-heavy team, we're going to go up-tempo, and maybe that makes the you know maybe that makes the defense play with two safeties high, maybe that makes them play off the ball a little bit, and that opens up the running game, because if they can't run the ball against Ohio, just like kind of like Villanova last year, I think they just kind of forget about it, or they should just forget about it and move on, because... Um, it really wasn't that much better against Purdue. So, and I don't know if it's. I mean, yeah, you're right. The creativity can improve, but at the bottom, like at the end of the day, like you just got to be able to beat some people. And and we'll talk more about it in a little bit. But mm-hmm. I thought you can only have so many creative play calls when your guys aren't blocking people. So that's true. And there was just no push all night from anybody really uh, when it came to the run game. Yeah, so let's uh, let's move on there. I, so to answer your question, I, I thought the play calling was was good. I thought if people executed, especially early on, um, maybe that changes the. I mean, you catch the ball, they have to respect the pass more. We weren't catching the ball enough for them to respect the pass. Therefore, it makes running harder, um, and that's just that's just the nature of the beast. Uh, BFPSU123 on Twitter says, biggest bright spot going forward you took from the game and the biggest worry that you have going forward from the game. Uh, Sean, you started first, right? So I guess I'll start on this one. Yeah. 
Well, well, good because I I wrote down two in case you were gonna steal one, but I, if I'm going first, I can <laughs> uh, choose whatever I want. So bright spot, I'm gonna go with Olu Fashanu. His second, uh, as, and then not even bright spot for this game specifically, but as far as feeling good moving forward, like the question says, his second career start, and I watched the game a second time through, and there wasn't any op- you know, there wasn't any plays where I was like, oh, Olu, you messed that one up. Olu Fashanu, I thought played. Really good. I thought he manhandled his side. He did his job really well. Um, and that makes me feel really good about one tackle spot moving forward. So that, uh, yeah, that 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 was a nice to see that the Arkansas game when he, when he played really well wasn't an anomaly. Like this guy is for real. We heard a lot of good things in the offseason about him. And he just proved it in a big time game on the road. So that was phenomenal to see. I think they can really lean on him moving forward. However, we can go to the thing I'm worried about moving forward, and we'll just stay on the offensive line. We'll go right tackle, Caden Wallace. Literally the first uh, pass play on third and what? Third and six, third and five. It wasn't even that far to go. And first passing play, and the defensive end from Purdue just gets right around Caden Wallace almost immediately. Clifford has to like, immediately step up in the pocket, almost gets killed terrible throw, terrible everything, and just incomplete pass. And you're just like, wow, like the first play, Caden Wallace, like we talked about him a lot this offseason, and I was optimistic. Like this guy's got a lot of experience. He's got a lot uh, of uh, starts under his belt. He has the size. There's no real reason for him to not be as good as Olu Fashanu, at least. Um, and, and if honestly, he should be better with all of the experience. I'm not sure what's going on because we've seen him play better football. Like Sean, we have seen him not necessarily a lot, obviously this year and not very much last year, but we've seen him have good games where at some points we thought he might be one of the better players along the offensive line moving forward. That has not been the case. And that is a big concern moving forward. The right side of the offensive line, in my opinion, did not play very well, period. But strictly from the past sense, I thought Caden Wallace uh, was was disappointing. And moving forward, I don't know what you're going to do. Bryce Effner came in, managed the bleeding a little bit better, uh, but I don't know if it's just a lack of confidence right now. I'm not sure if there's an injury that we're not hearing about. That So it's kind of funny, but bright spot Olu Fashanu, dark spot moving forward, at least right now. Caden Wallace, Sean, what you got? Two good picks. Two good picks. Um, yeah, uh, we'll get more into right tackle soon. Uh, my bright spot's Joey Porter Jr. Um, and I know people people might point at um, O'Connell had over 300 yards passing and everything, but look, that's the way Purdue plays. They're gonna run. They're gonna pass has to set up the pass, essentially. And they're going to run a lot of pass plays, and they're going to get a lot of yards through the air. I don't know why they kept going at Joey Porter Jr., because it became pretty evident by, you know, beginning of the second quarter that nothing was going to happen throwing toward him. And nothing did. Like, he played an unbelievable game. And he had a fumble recovery, uh, he had eight tackles. He had a bunch of passes defended. I think he had five or six uh, passes defended uh, and should have had an interception. Uh, that might have been the only 
bad that might and it's not even bad he broke up a pass but that might have been the only thing that I mean he did I believe it was him that dropped the one interception or it wasn't it wasn't probably going to be an interception it went into the Purdue players hands um that might have been the only thing that I could think of that he messed up but he looked as good as advertised I am very excited about Joey Porter Jr. um Corey stole mine uh, so I'm going to go to my number two, and it's probably still going to be the linebacker core. Um, I know we talked about Elsden, and we both think he's going to get better. Is are, is that middle linebacker spot going to get better by the Auburn game? And I think that's a, that's a big concern. Uh, do we trust this? Do we trust these linebackers against Tank Bigsby? And my deepest fear for this team. And I was so nervous it was going to come. It was going to come true. Was if Curtis Jacobs gets hurt, because I am so worried about what we have behind him. Um, Abdul Carter, in his only play, uh, got ejected. Uh, controversial call. Don't think I necessarily agree with the call, uh, but he did show a lot of quickness, and he showed that he ain't afraid. So that's encouraging. But I'd probably still go with uh, the linebacker core as a whole for my biggest concern. Um, I, I might go right tackle, too. Uh, right tackle probably would be my pick if I went first, but I'll go with the linebackers. You know, it's good because we had the same first pick and the same second. Well, in the same second picks, basically. I, I had I had the linebacking depth in JPJ as mine, too. And, again, we don't share notes beforehand, so that was uh, that was pretty good on our part. Great minds think alike. Yep, because we covered everything I wanted to. Okay, last question. And honestly, I want to give a big shout-out to you guys. You guys asked the questions, I think, when I was taking notes on my second watch through that I wanted to talk about today. So thank you, guys. You guys did a fantastic job. Again, Hardcore PSUFB on Twitter. This is from Seth Dirk. How worried are we about our pass rush? Personally, I'm worried. We had little to no pressure just rushing four. Only two that seemed to get any pressure whatsoever were Chop Robinson at one point, and I believe Hakeem Beeman. Um, Sean, I'll let you go first. Yeah, I will say I, this, we, I guess. I'll preface this by saying the actual – I mean, he's right about who was getting pressure. Chop Robinson got a sack, and also uh, Johnny Dixon got a sack in this game. But go ahead. Yeah, I tweeted about this during the game, uh, that there was no pass rush through probably the first two and a half, two and three quarters, quarters. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that I think that's a concern, guys. Um, we know that there's talent there. And I would also say we have some guys coming back from injury. Uh, Disa Isaac was out all year. Uh, Hakeem Beeman, something happened with them last year. It looks, you know, I, I don't know what happened, but he didn't play. Uh, and PJ Mustafer uh, is coming back from injury. So those guys may need some time to get back into the groove of things. Now, again, we have Auburn in two weeks. So if the pass rush looks like that against Auburn, yeah, there's a, there's a good chance we could lose. Um, and yeah, it looked like chop was the only one who consistently got some pressure on the quarterback. Uh, like like uh, uh, J- J- Jonathan Sutherland, uh, 
showed. I thought Jonathan Sutherland showed up on Thursday night. I thought he made some plays uh, after the quarterback a little bit. Uh, I did too. I I did too. Yeah. So I was impressed. I was happy to see that. Um, I like Diaz's creative blitz calls. Um, I I thought they were fun to see, and they were something that if you've been listening to the pod or are just familiar with Manny Diaz in general, uh, you knew was coming. Um, they didn't always get home, and that was kind of the issue. Uh, but yeah, we need more than chop and more than Hakeem Beeman and some corner blitzes to create pressure on the quarterback. We just we just do. And I would also say one of the things Purdue emphasizes is getting the ball out of Aiden O'Connell's hands quick. And they did that for most of the night. Uh, but when he did have time where, but he, but let's not kid ourselves. He did have time in the pocket where he was able to just, where it looked like he had enough time to read a novel back there. Yeah. There were a couple of times you're like, uh, hello everybody. Why aren't you getting there? But yeah, to, to your exact point, uh, PSU analytics, was tweeting about some of that stuff too. They were getting the ball out really fast. They ended up with 6.1 yards per catch, um, or yards per pass, excuse me, uh, which was lower than even Penn State's at 7.5. And Penn State obviously wasn't even throwing the ball very deep. So they were they were throwing the ball extremely quick. They were even mass protecting and still throwing the ball out really quick. And so that does make it harder. We knew they were going to do stuff like that. Uh, I also will say the play calling on the first three quarters compared to the fourth quarter were, were different. Uh, Manny Diaz turned up the heat in that fourth quarter, started bringing a couple of different things. Maybe he was trying to keep it more vanilla, but, but when the fourth quarter came, that's when we started seeing a little bit more stunts. That's when we started seeing some random corner blitzes. Um, that made me feel better because at first there for a, a while, I was like, he's trying to create TFLs. He's trying to create turnovers. And early on, he wasn't doing very much of either. Uh, a big fumble by Zaki Wheatley, of course, in the in the backfield on that jet sweep. Uh, but I mean, again, it comes back to if you got to make the plays when you have the opportunity to. If Joey Porter Jr. gets that interception early in the game, you know how much does that change the game? If if Keaton Ellis is able to get that other interception, how much does that change the game? So you have to come up with those when you get the chance to do so. Uh, but but yeah, I mean, I I don't think the pass rush was very good. I thought Adisa Isaac. Slightly disappointing game. Now it's his first game in over a year, so we're gonna give him a little bit of a break. Uh, but but there's there's got to be some improvements there. I thought they did a pretty good job on PJ Mustafer. They was pretty clear that they weren't gonna let Mustafer beat them. I mean, even when uh, he was single, he's he's just he wasn't getting double teamed. As soon as he got by the guard or the center, the running back was right there to chip him. So they were making sure that Mustafer wasn't gonna be the the culprit inside. Uh, I will also add that Penn State did not have uh, Keziah Izzard and Smith Vilbert. Neither of those two traveled. So as far as depth goes, they had plenty of it. But Keziah Izzard played a lot of football last year. Not necessarily one of the better pass rushers. Uh, but mm-hmm. Smith Vilbert had three sacks in the Arkansas game. So um, they have enough firepower in the defensive line for that not to be a good enough excuse. But... They also didn't have those two guys. I thought we should at least mention that those two guys That's a good uh, point. Did, did not uh, travel. So, yeah, I think it's a concern. I don't think it's too much of a concern because also they had to pass rush 58 times in that game. So that is a lot of snaps. That is a lot of uh, 
a lot of plays to be going after the passer. Uh, and, and to be honest with you, I mean, in the heat and whatever the case may be, they, they probably weren't there condition, conditioning-wise either. So the fact that they stepped up in the fourth quarter I thought was impressive. Um, I was also kind of surprised Ch- Chop Robinson had that many more snaps over Nick Tarburton. I think that's kind of goes back to what Franklin said as far as uh, Nick Tarburton was going to start, but they're both going to play a bunch. And that that was very true. So um, I think that's good to see. And I think Chop Robinson, you're going to see more and more of him as the game continues. I, I would say I'm a little concerned, but not overly concerned. I'll be more concerned if they don't look good against Ohio. So uh, get get back to us on that one. Before I go into uh, before we go into kind of the debates as far as everything this week, uh, let's just I had a couple more notes. Uh, we we were I don't know if it was an injury thing or not, but Keaton Ellis started over Zaki Wheatley at the safety spot. I guess Zaki Wheatley was over. Uh, on the on a stationary bike a couple times, so maybe it was a, a you know just a little tweak and injury, whatever the case may be. Wheelie didn't seem like in that touchdown I mentioned earlier to Charlie Jones for being the takeover king. I thought that was maybe a pretty bad play by Wheatley as far as letting that guy fall behind him. Um, I think maybe he was just trying to get you know look for an interception in front of him, and a guy just kind of slipped behind him. Uh, but but Keaton Ellis did get the start, and I thought Keaton Ellis played pretty well, uh, all things considered. I thought he stepped up pretty well and and played some good football. Like, like I, I said, he pro- probably should have had an interception that game. Um, I also want to give a little shout-out to Jalen Reed. I thought Reed, as far as in the run game, I thought Reed was one of the better defensive backs in, in tackling, so um, I, I thought he, he played pretty well. Again, I just wanted to say Penn State averaged 3.2 yards per carry. I think the yards per before contact on running was was terrible. It was like less than a yard. So again, that yards before contact kind of tells you how well the offensive line's doing at blocking. Uh, and it was one actually one of the worst performances in the last two years as far as yards before contact. So that was that was disappointing. I think that was from the athletic. So um, shout out to the athletic for that. Again, Penn State three for three in touchdowns in the red zone. That was actually the difference, and that was something that um, Drew Schneider brought up from hammer and rails last week that Purdue in the red zone and, and their credit, they actually had two rushing touchdowns in the red zone. Uh, but that, that field goal was kind of the difference if you will. So uh, yeah, get, you know, give credit where credit's due to Penn state. And how many times has Penn state been awful in the red zone and scoring touchdowns? So that was, that was at least a good start there. Uh, Theo Johnson did not, or did traveled, but did not suit up. He was in street clothes uh, for Penn State, so that's something to keep an eye on there. So Penn State was without one of their, some people might argue, their best tight end, and that's when we saw a bunch of Tyler Warren and a lot of Brenton Strange. Obviously, I thought Brenton Strange had played pretty well. I don't, you know, that big touchdown, you could argue, changed the complexity of the game. So, um, and Tyler Warren did do some good things, but did have a couple drops where um, could have could have helped out a little bit more. I thought blocking wise, I didn't see anything egregious from the two of them as far as just completely whiffing. So we'll have to pay attention to that moving forward. But I, I wasn't, I guess, disappointed with those guys. And then the final thing, this is this also came from The Athletic, from Audrey Snyder. Drew Shelton, uh, offensive tackle, true freshman, was warming up with the, with the second team. So Drew, a true freshman offensive tackle, uh, basically in a two deep. Now, he probably wouldn't start if Olu or Caden Wallace went down. Uh, but... But he's he's right there. If if he's probably the fourth best offensive tackle right now, so that's interesting to kind of think about uh, with Jimmy Chris right in that kind of ballpark too, Sean. 
Yeah. Um, I thought it was interesting that Nick Singleton had the fewest uh, yards per carry. Uh, he had 2.4 yards per carry. Uh, nobody really did all that well um, as far as carrying the football. Well, carrying the football, yeah, but there wasn't much room for anybody. Um, Mitchell Tinsley, uh, Audrey, Audrey Snyder came on last week, talked to us pretty extensively about Mitchell Tinsley. Uh, he lived up to the hype, uh, seven catches, 84 yards. Uh, that, that, that play on the last drive, I mean, that really set things up. And that's when I really started. And after that play, I was really starting to think, guy, right, we might score on this drive. It was a sigh of relief, wasn't it? I mean, that, I mean, yeah. It and it got us in the field, at, at least in the field field goal range so uh even though i really didn't want to see a field goal there um drops were a concern uh it was not the receiver's best nights the uh, receiver's best night outside of you know tinsley was really good but everybody else it felt like had a drop except maybe strange um so yeah and, and before you go to your next point sean i'm just gonna say yes keandre lambert smith started the game poorly with his drops but I don't know who wrote an article about him this offseason, but talking about how he wanted to improve and not let the drops affect him. And to his credit, he came back, caught a slant pass, which was also, to mm-hmm. Mike Yurcich's credit, designed for him. It was a clear out by Mitch Tinsley. Everybody kind of went with Tinsley. Uh, Lambert Smith came underneath it, caught the ball, made a fantastic play to not get tackled. Um, and then... I did not know he had that kind of speed. He outran the whole defense. I mean, yeah. where did that come from? He literally, like, the, there was two safeties that had the angle, and he split them like it was a basketball play to the lane. I was very yeah. impressed with that. So the fact that he was able to have those drops and to come back and to contribute, um, big testament to him. Yeah, I was re-watching that play, actually, on YouTube, and it was sort of like... Like when when he caught the ball and he was about to be tackled, uh, if you pause it and say this guy scored a touchdown on this play, and you showed it to some random person on the studio and watch the game, they'd be like, "Nah, no way." But credit to him. I mean, first off, having the strength to break the tackle, and then just outrunning everybody. So big props to Keandre Lambert Smith there, making up for uh, some early mistakes. Um, Daquan Hardy uh, continues to be the unsung hero. Uh, mess. <laughs> Messed up in fielding that punt inside the five, let it go in the end zone, but he more than made up for it with the big pass breakup on Purdue's second last drive where they were trying to ice the game. So big shout out to Daquan Hardy. I am, as I declared on Twitter, the president of the Daquan Hardy fan club. Yeah, he had a pass breakup on the on the series before that too to to end the drive as well on that crossing route. So yeah. he had yep. um two big plays late there and um, he he did really well. I like him being out there as a gunner too. I think he's going to be really good as a gunner. So that that was nice to see too. Yeah, me too. Um, so big props there. A um, lot of lot of guys played last night, and that's or if I keep saying last night, Thursday night, especially on the defensive side of the ball, and that's something that uh, Manny Diaz has talked about that he loves to play a lot of guys to keep. Uh, to keep the starters fresh. And it really worked out because at the end of the game, uh, we were able to finally get after O'Connell with a lot of our, with a lot of our starters. Uh, and I, Dennis Sutton got in, um, didn't really do a whole lot. His first step looks really impressive. Oh but dude, it's 
Oh, it's, it's good. Yeah, so love that. Uh, Zane Durant got in. He had a tackle. Um, so a few of our freshmen got in. Dom DeLuca had two tackles. I think one of them was on special teams. Um, so we played a lot of different guys. Uh, so that's pretty interesting. Nick Singleton returned the kicks. Um, and yeah, and another thing we have to note is Parker Washington needs to get more involved. That uh, He can't just have two catches. That just can't happen. So, but I'm not that worried about him because we already know he could play. Yeah. Yeah. He could have had three. That was a pretty bad drop he had early in the game. Yep. Big um, play. As far as just momentum goes. And I mean, they were moving the ball and, and it's starting to get in some rhythm with the play calling. And then that drop, it just, it crushes you there. Um, Sean, I was going to go bad and good at some point today, but we've covered a lot. Well, no, let, let's go quarterback situation. Then we'll go into some more bad and good. Um, and then maybe some surprises before we do some other stuff. So, uh, let's go quarterback now, Sean. I feel like maybe I should go first because yes, you go first. I think you'll kind of bring a more balanced approach to this after the fact. Maybe we shall see. And again, this is something I hinted at the beginning of the episode. I get it. The new shiny toy, like Sean mentioned. Five-star guy. That's just how it's going to be all year. Whenever Clifford makes a mistake, no matter how good he's been playing the rest of the game, as soon as he makes a mistake, everyone's going to want the Drew Aller to come in. Two weeks ago, we didn't even think Aller was going to play a snap because Christian Veyu, we thought, was going to be the, the backup. Of course, then Aller's uh, uh, confirmed as the backup. And then Sean Clifford ends up having some cramps. And Aller gets in for a series. You can see the poise. You can see the good footwork. Uh, had a first down, decided not to run, try to throw it, wasn't unable to do so. But had a really nice ball to Tyler Warren that Warren dropped. You can see he's got a good spin on the ball. He's a big, I mean, he's huge. Uh, there's a lot of good potential there. Didn't necessarily do anything crazy. They ended up three for four for 26 yards. Um, but he looks good. He looks like he, you know, there's a reason why he's the backup. Arguably, not even really arguably, the ceiling for for Drew Aller is a lot higher than it is the ceiling for Sean Clifford. However, we do not know what the floor is. And I think we know what the floor is with Sean Clifford. We've seen the floor before. Anywho, after the game, we were getting a lot of, and, and I was kind of stirring the pot a little bit on Twitter. But the idea that Sean Clifford, who, by the way, tied his best ever with four touchdown passes. He's never had five touchdown passes, which he had five total touchdown passes that he had uh, against Purdue on the road in the first game in a big 10 game blackout environment. Basically with no, no help, really no, no real help offensive line. Give him like a C grade at best. And that's literally because the left side of the offensive line did really well. The right side was not doing anything to help Sean Clifford, the running game, Although they tried to run it, did not help Sean Clifford very much at all. The receivers early on did not help Sean Clifford very much at all. He was he was honestly the whole offense there for even the the touchdown of Brenton Strange. Like yeah, Brenton Strange 
broke those two tackles and took the distance. But it was Sean Clifford getting out of the pocket and making a play. And by the way, Sean, before we go down this, I now that I remember, I just want to give a shout out to James Franklin and Mike Yursich for not kneeing the ball and having some aggressiveness and trusting Sean Clifford to make a play. I thought um, they deserve some credit because we don't give them crap for managing games. Um, I thought they did a really good job there. And again, I don't know if Drew yep. Aller's in that situation. You probably aren't that aggressive, right? Like you probably just get out of there and go to the locker room and, and you figure things out. But Sean Clifford, experienced quarterback, you can trust him with the ball as far as decisions go. Um, and he made a great play out of the pocket to get the ball to Brenton Strange. He was directing traffic out there. Um, that was honestly kind of McSorley-esque, if you will. Um, so that was cool to see. Point is, Sean Clifford played a pretty good game for looking really shaky at times. I will argue in the first half, he he looked really good. If the drops kind of aren't there, you could argue things get really good really quickly. If they were able to run the ball at all, you could argue things get really good really quickly. They didn't, and I get that. Then the cramps started happening in the second half, and you could tell. And I don't know if it was the cramps plus the hit on his left knee or if it was just the cramps happening in his left side. I don't know what the situation was exactly, but you could tell he was not following through with his throws. Like You could tell he was not putting much weight on that left leg. Um, maybe it's more serious. We don't know anything about that. Uh, I knew it was cramping pretty much right away um, from some inside sources, but I, who knows if that left leg is okay because that was a gnarly hit. And he said he almost didn't wear the knee brace on that left side. So can you imagine if he wasn't wearing that knee brace? I mean, that was a big time shot to his left leg. Whatever the reason, he did not look the same in the second half as far as moving around the pocket, as far as being confident, as far as stepping into his throws. And because of that, his accuracy suffered tremendously. He had like four bad, really bad throws that weren't necessarily bad decisions, but were just just not good throws. The interception was awful. I'm going to be the first one to tell you the interception was awful. Not even a bad decision. Like, Tinsley was open um, on that deep dig, and just, I mean, it wasn't even close, right? So that was, I get why that puts a bad taste in your mouth. That's the garlic parmesan of wings, right? However, this dude comes back out, Hot, hot, fast tempo, leads the team down the field, six for seven, 72 yards, finds Kevon Lee on the wheel route for the touchdown, never falters, never got down on himself, figures it out, and ends up winning the game on the road. And yet we come back on to the Twitterverse and wherever else, and people are already asking for Aller to start for the Ohio game. You can like Drew Aller. And like the future. And be excited for the future. And even after this last week, you can argue maybe the leash is a little bit shorter on Sean Clifford than it was at the beginning of the year. That's fine. But to think you want Sean Clifford to be benched after his five-touchdown performance? Not, not I'm not talking to Sean, by the way. I'm just talking to all of you people out there. So to want him benched after a five-touchdown performance when, yeah, he had his moments of, of awfulness. But he also had his moments of brilliance. And if it wasn't for Sean Clifford, maybe Drew Aller comes in and does better. But I could argue things don't go well at all. This guy is used to carrying the team. He's used to running for his life. And he had to do that again on Thursday night because he wasn't getting much help from anyone else. And he was able to do so. Will you win the Big Ten championship with games like 
Thursday night? No, but not necessarily because of Sean Clifford with any quarterback, unless your quarterback is a top first round pick guy right now. You can't just have this gunslinger mentality where you're asking your quarterback to run around and find open receivers every single game. It's just not going to happen. You're not going to win all of those games. It's too inconsistent to do so. You have to find a way to have some sort of balance. Someone else has to step up. And it's not a Sean Clifford issue. It's an offense issue. And right now, Clifford gives you the best chance to still win. Is Aller potentially better thrower? Probably. Is Aller potentially going to be a better quarterback when it's all said and done than Clifford? Possibly. But I will argue, the, and even Franklin mentioned it after the game, the experience played a factor late in that game, and that helped him when it mattered most to get down the field and score. He's a general. He's not the best player. He doesn't have the best mechanics. He seems to get hurt way too often. But when he's healthy, Sean, I still think you have a good enough team to compete in the Big Ten East with Clifford at the helm if everyone else does their job. And and last Thursday, everyone else on offense did not do their job. Okay. So... My first time with you on a podcast, I asked the question, could you win anything significant with Sean Clifford as your quarterback? And by significant, I mean Big Ten championships, national championships. I still don't, I still have a lot of doubts that you could because of what you saw on that pick six. He has too many plays like that. And I understand the fans are frustrated because it's not just last night. It's we know Sean Clifford pretty well. Um, we know there are ups, we know there are downs, and that's not really a winning formula for. That's not really a winning formula if you want to win something big like a Big Ten championship and like a national championship. Like, do you know what the best part of someone like Stetson Bennett is? He doesn't screw up. He just doesn't. Is he that good? No. Is he as talented as Drew Aller? No. Are there probably 40 quarterbacks more talented than him? Yeah. But he doesn't mess up. And that's all you need. And it's not all you need. It's all you need for Georgia. But it's not all you need for Penn State. Um, but that's the best part of him. And Sean Clifford is consistently inconsistent. He has too many moments like we saw with the pick six. And I'm not just going to gloss by it. He brought up the five touchdowns. Let's break down the five touchdowns. Quarterback sneak. I'm sorry, I'm not that impressed by a quarterback sneak. He was basically carried in. It was a good play call. I'm not that thrilled by it. Gotta be honest. Uh, the Keandre, Lam- Keandre Lambert Smith touchdown. That was all Keandre Lambert Smith. Uh, Clifford threw from about where I'm sitting to my closet, which is about uh, six yards away. Not that impressed. Um, did he complete it? Yes, but let's not act like he, he was Josh Allen throwing off his back foot 40 yards into the end zone. Uh, the Brenton Strange touchdown, he made a very good play on it, keeping the play alive, but that was Brenton Strange and Purdue not tackling. Uh, Kevon Lee touchdown, that's all him. Awesome throw. Uh, the Mitchell Tinsley touchdown, that was pretty much all Mitchell Tinsley. I mean, so when you say the five touchdowns, when you really look at them, 
Eh, yeah, he had them, but they were not all five touchdown performances are created equal. No, but how many of Stenson Bennett's touchdowns are because of Stenson Bennett? Where's Stetson Bennett's pick six? Playing the game. Doesn't happen. Doesn't happen. Uh, you can't have it both ways, though, right? Like, yeah, that interception pick six was awful. But also, how many games is Stenson Bennett, A, even in close games, because and not because of him, but because of everyone else around him? And B, how many of those plays really were because of Stenson Bennett? I'm not saying I agree with you as far as those touchdowns not being like he's not looking like Peyton Manning out there. But at what point do we say we expect these four and five star athletes across? The, like we are expecting these guys to make the plays and to make Sean Clifford look good. Like that's what a quarterback is at his best. We're not. We shouldn't really be expecting Sean Clifford to be making every throw. Like that's that's not what our expectations of Sean Clifford going into the season were. We are expecting exactly. all of these weapons to lift him up in his game and early on, especially. Nobody was lifting him up. Nobody was making him look better. And a lot of times, in that first quarter especially, people were making him look a lot worse than he was. That's the point. He doesn't make other people better. He just he doesn't. He's he's fine, but he's fine. And he's gonna he's gonna make some plays. He's gonna win you some games. Uh, but he's gonna lose you some games. And that's just what you have to expect with Sean Clifford. Um, so okay, do but, I see? Here's the thing, though. When he is going to lose, and I agree with this, but it comes back to the gunslinger mentality, right? If you're asking, if you're putting all the weight on Sean Clifford to win you games, absolutely he is going to lose you games. I agree with that 100%. We've talked about that. If every game comes down to Purdue, as far as like how that game was played, we're probably going to win 60 to 70% of our games, right? Like If you're asking Sean Clifford to do all of that every week, we're probably only going to win 60 to 70% of our games. Absolutely agree with that. And that is kind of what the record has shown in the last two years. But what I'm saying is Stenson Bennett, if you're going to keep using that comparison, isn't asked to do that at all, ever. No, I was just – I was making the Bennett comparison because he doesn't screw up. John Clifford screws up a lot. It's a lot easier not to screw up of when you can work play is. action and have guys, for the most part, wide open. Now, he had a great – Stenson Bennett had a fantastic play – um, on that one touchdown yesterday. But that was one of the first times I've ever seen him create like that. Usually he doesn't have to do that stuff. And again, Clifford doesn't have that luxury. He has never honestly had that luxury. Um, and then when he has had something like that, Penn State's won 11 games. Yeah, Penn State won 11 games. Um, and again, couldn't beat Ohio State. Although, to be fair, that Ohio State game. Well, I'm not even going to get into 2019, but yeah, I, I understand the fans frustration because it wasn't just Thursday night. We know what we're getting from Sean Clifford and he is not going to elevate you. And yeah, I understand what you're saying to have a successful season. We need other guys around Sean Clifford to elevate him. Could I argue they did in a way now, not in the wrong game, obviously. Brenton Strange made that play. Andre Lambert Smith made, uh, you know, broke the tackle, ran for a touchdown. Uh, Brenton Strange carried him in the end zone. Could I argue? Yeah, in a lot of ways, he was helped on Thursday night. He got more help than people want to say. Uh, yeah, there were some drops, but guess what? There's going to be drops every single game. 
hopefully not as many as we saw on Thursday night, but drops happen to every quarterback. Drops happen to Patrick Mahomes. You got to be able to overcome them. And he did overcome them. And that's the positive part. Now, I was very harsh on Sean Clifford. Let me get more positive on Sean Clifford. To all the people saying Drew Aller should start because, oh, well, Drew Aller's better than Sean Clifford right now. You sure? Are you sure he is? Are you sure a true freshman gives you a better chance of winning than Sean Clifford? Because I'm not. And I think Drew Aller's going to be really good. I think if Drew Aller, and I am not one of these people that think, oh, you got to stick with your guys because um, they paid their dues or whatever. I really don't care about paying your dues. I care about who gives who gives my team the best chance to win. And I think it's Sean Clifford. I think Sean Clifford's leader of that team. And in the final analysis last or Thursday night, he did drive you down the field and won you the game. And you cannot, you cannot go to a freshman quarterback to start next week after your quarterback just won you, just brought your team back and won you the game. And I get the Kelly Bryant versus Trevor Lawrence comparison a, a little bit, but I don't think this is a team that's going to win a national championship. And I don't want to say that Drew Aller is equal to Trevor Lawrence when we have no idea how good how good Drew Aller is. We really don't. We know he's really talented, but we have no idea what he would give you in a game where he's the starter and teams are scheming for him. And he's got to be able to read defenses and make pre-snap and, and do things pre-snap. We have no idea how he'd be in that. Probably And pre-snap, I could tell you right now, he's not going to be as good as Sean Clifford. He's, he's just not. I could no. guarantee also don't know. pre-snap he's not. We also don't know how good he's going to be once he gets hit for the first time. We, right. do, know, we do know how Sean Clifford responds. Right. We don't know so, how Drew Aller responds when he throws a pick six. We do know how Clifford does when he responds. Yeah, and... And you got to give Clifford a lot of credit for responding that way. Because if Drew Aller throws a pick six, very possible that he's going to get down on himself. And um, that, that that's kind of normal. He's he's just start he's just starting out. Uh, where Sean Clifford was able to battle back, be the leader of the team, be that uh, he's been a captain for like 800 years now, and take the bull by the horns and lead us down the field and won this the game. And I don't, I don't know if that happens with Drew Aller. Um, and just because the guy was number one rated quarterback in the country. Here, I'm going to give the listeners some homework to do. Go back the last ten or five years. Look at the top ten quarterbacks in the country out of high school. Tell me how many lived up to the hype. Spoiler alert, most of them don't. And I, I think Drew Aller, I think Drew Aller probably will. I was really impressed by what I saw. Let's pump the brakes a little bit. Let's everybody take a deep breath and not get ahead of ourselves in either direction. And in in the let's Sean, let's bench Sean Clifford direction. Yeah, the last thing I want to add to that is I, I mean, I agree with that sentiment. Um, I don't like this idea. That people think James Franklin won't bench Sean Clifford if if needed. I, I think that's just not true, to be honest with you. Um, first of all, 
We're seeing it with the running backs right now. We're literally seeing the the argument against that with the running backs right now. Nick Singleton literally came in on the second series. Katron Allen played in the first. They all every running back played by the end of the first quarter or by the end of the first play in the second quarter. So that to me just goes to show right away he's going to play the best guy. These guys are getting paid millions of dollars. Their lives revolve around playing and winning games. And we and we already saw that with Aller being the backup. I mean, you could argue you would want Christian Veyu to be the backup because then you know he's going to stay. Now with Aller being the backup, that basically Christian Veyu is probably halfway out the door. No fault to his own for that. So I don't I don't like that idea. My concern because this is not going to be the last time Sean we talk about this. My concern is what point so like if they're both healthy we both said we're going we're going with sean clifford right now my question is when sean clifford gets banged up again he can still go but when he's banged up like like even for you know maybe they should have let clifford stay in the locker room for another drive or two because he didn't do anything when he came back out in that third quarter anyway maybe just let him get some more ivs make stretch him out a little bit give all or another series and get him get Clifford back to 100% because I think they, they brought him out too soon and we saw the effects of it. Um, so does Franklin have that honest conversation with Yersich and Yersich that honest conversation with, with, with Clifford as far as, okay, when you're 100%, yes, you're better than Drew Aller and we want you to lead this team. However, you can't throw off your left foot right now. Like you are not following through. You just airmailed that ball by like 50 yards. Wasn't even close. Sean, we think you're better than what you just showed us. Maybe it was because of injury. Maybe it wasn't. Regardless, like that was not good. Like that's not good enough. And if that's because of injury, whatever, we have to go with Aller now. Will they have that conversation? And like it happened with Trace McSorley too, right? Like there was games when Trace would limp out there and you're just like is is he really giving us the best chance to win will they have in the ohio state game and sean clifford gets cremated will they have the gumption to say okay look i know clifford can maybe go but he's just going to be a sitting duck we now have faith in our backup quarterback will they make that decision to put Aller in the game that's going to be the question moving forward to me not if Aller is going to be starting but will they give Aller the reins when Clifford's banged up because it's inevitable, right? We talked about this, what, in March, Sean, how we didn't think Sean Clifford was going to finish the season because that just, I mean, since 2017, the quarterback that started has not been able to play the entire season. It just hasn't happened. And it's probably not going to happen again unless the right side of the offensive line decides to start playing football. Um, And then when that happens, and it's not an injury, but it's uh, it's a hurt, can still go, maybe not 100%, but he can still go. When do you make that decision? And that, to me, is what we should be paying attention to because it's not going to happen in the Ohio game, most likely. It might happen in the Auburn game, but it could happen on the road at Michigan. It could happen against Ohio State. At what point do you say you were better than Aller, but now that you're banged up, we think we're going to go with another guy? Does that happen? I don't know. What are your thoughts, John? Yeah, um, because even if you want to go back even before McSorley, uh, when Christian Hackenberg was banged up in the 2015 Ohio State game, 
I thought Chase McSorley should have gotten in, um, and he really didn't. Like they just kept Hackenberg out there on one leg, and yeah, I I think that's I I believe I've discussed this with you. Um, it's a cons- it, James Franklin has kind of a re- has a bit of a reputation for running quarterbacks into the ground, and not intentionally, but getting them. You know, they, they tend to get hurt. Chase McSorley got hurt in eighteen and. Sean Clifford's been hurt every single year that he's been the start has gotten at least banged up every single year that he's been the starter. So being willing to hand over the reins and Hey, let's say we're six and three going in November and Sean Clifford's not playing well at that point, we might have to revisit the Drew Aller versus Sean Clifford debate. Uh, but for right now, I think me and Sh- me and Corey, while we have some disagreements along the edges, we're pretty much in agreement on what we are in agreement on where we think our starting quarterback should be right now. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I mean, there are people that are taking what you just said, Sean, as far as going into November, like maybe we should hand the reins off for, for next year and, and think about 2023. People are already saying that right now, like, Oh, screw 2022. Yeah, we're one and one. We're one and all, guys. Like, Come on. where the hell are you getting that information from? So, yeah, I think we're. I think you're right. I think we're about on the same page there. I think it's going to be a debate we're going to have every week because when you have special talent waiting, um, it's going to put pressure. And and I think it's good pressure. I think it's what honestly, you know, what some other positions need, um, as far as getting the best out of them. So. Uh, let's leave it there for now. I think that's something that is going to be discussed pretty much weekly. Uh, but the good news, and maybe it's bad news for Franklin, is that most likely Penn State will be able to get all or some playing time against Ohio, and we'll get to see a little bit more because we're basing a lot of this off of just one series. Uh, maybe they get a whole quarter for him. Who knows? So, um, yeah, we'll have to wait and see. Let's go into some more. Uh, let's go good, bad, and surprises. Let's start with the bad. Uh, with all the hype surrounding Trey Wallace, didn't really see him very much. Didn't see very much, actually, out of a lot of the backup wide receivers. Uh, and he did have that drop, I said, over the middle of the field. don't think it's necessarily considered a drop because it was a diving effort. Um, but just in general, I thought maybe we didn't see as many wide receivers as I thought we would get the ball. Any thoughts there, Sean? Yeah. Did uh, Malik make a play? I don't believe he did. Did he make a play or did he play? Did he play? I don't remember seeing him. I think he got in. Okay, yeah, because it, he was just not uh, – he just didn't show up to me. Um, yeah, uh, Trey Wallace, I hear you on that. Uh, he had that – I thought he should have caught the ball. Uh, that was one of Cliff's best throws of the night. And it's one of those throws that – I. I because I don't want to beat up on Trey Wallace too much for that because it's a tough catch for anybody to make. But I kind of wish it was Tinsley or Washington going to catch it. Um, yeah, the receivers as a whole, uh, not not great. And Caden uh, Wallace, I mean, you got to, you know, if we want to get into the bad, Caden Wallace has to be better. Um, and I think there is a new, I think, a more interesting competition right now, and that's at right tackle. And I think, I think Bryce Eckner did did enough to earn a starting spot next week. Yeah, but it's not it doesn't take very much, honestly, right now. I also I, I'm gonna true. chalk this up to Rust. 
but I was not overly impressed with Sal Warmly. Um, especially in the run game. I thought there was times where guys just literally, I don't know if he was leaning forward a little too much. He pulled, <clears throat> excuse me, he pulled really well. But there was a couple times, literally, I, I mean, he, I, I don't know if he just didn't know who he was supposed to block, but there was a couple times he got blown up pretty quickly. Uh, and again, I'm going to just chalk that one up to rust. But that's, they're talking about Landon Tangwall and Hunter Norzid splitting reps. I thought maybe, honestly, we should have saw both of those guys instead of warmly there at some point because I, I thought the right side was was really struggling uh, to to do very much on either the run or the pass. But especially there was that one time too I thought where they had a Purdue had a little bit of a stunt on that right side and and and, the, and they couldn't handle that either. So um, something to pay yeah. attention to. I'm not gonna pull the alarm yet on Sal Warmly, uh, but that was his first game action in a long time. So yeah, he. He, I agree with you. He looked rusty, um, but he's still getting into the flow of things. I think he was, I know exactly the player's thinking about. Um, he looked confused on that stunt, and it, that happens. So hopefully it's something they could clean up, and I'm not ready to, um, I'm with you. I'm not ready to pull the alarm yet on uh, Mr. Wormley. Uh, but um, I thought, I, I thought Norzad when he came in, I thought he played pretty well. Did, did you? I thought both of them were pretty interchangeable. I didn't. Uh, I I had to keep checking to see who was in. Um, the second right. time I watched it, and I thought neither of them. It's like with offensive linemen, if they if they don't do something bad, it's like okay, well then they're fine. You know what I mean? It's not like they did something good as much as they did right. something bad. So I thought the left side in general, I was impressed with. I thought Juice Struggs played an okay game. I didn't think he played his best game either. Uh, but but overall, I thought the left side. Olu Fashanu and Tangwa and Norzad. I thought they both played um, admirably enough. And again, the, the attention to kind of focus on that right side. So um, I, I didn't think, I thought the pass protection was decent at times, honestly. Uh, I did too. And then also, I mean, Purdue, I didn't think really blitzed that much. They, they, they put, dropped a lot of guys into coverage. And there was a lot of times Sean Clifford was sitting there waiting and waiting, trying to wait for someone to get open. Um, but when there was issues, it was coming from that right tackle spot. Uh, we've already spoken about the running game. Um, I thought Kevon Lee, maybe a guy we hadn't talked about enough, I thought he was running hard when he was in. I, I, you, you can tell he's not Nick Singleton burst, but I thought he did look a little quicker. I thought he ran pretty angry. I thought he contributed in the passing game, probably should have even contributed in the passing game more. He was open on that one-third down play. Clifford just didn't see him. Um, I, I thought all in all, the running backs did well, if anything, this time, uh, the, I thought the running backs hit their holes better than last. I know the, the yards per carry wasn't, um, great. And so the running game is a bad, but if we want to transition to the good, I thought the potential for the running backs was better. I thought Katron Allen showed some patience and then he hit the hole hard when he saw it. I thought Nick Singleton had some good bursts. I thought Kevon Lee you know, was fine. And I would honestly put more on just too many guys stacked in a box for Purdue, running into a bad front, not blocking people. Again, that point six point nine yards per contact. That's hard to hard to have a good running game and hard to break open large long runs when you are getting uh touched before you even get one yard into the defense. So 
Um, I, yeah. I thought overall those guys looked good. I thought Nick Singleton on that one play ended up being a tackle for loss for like a three-yard loss. But the outside, I think it technically was an outside linebacker, maybe even a corner. I don't know who was over on that left side. He shot the in between the tight end and the tackle, and he got Singleton by like the shoestrings. But if Singleton's able to get bounce that to the outside, no one is out there, and Singleton might have been gone. Um, so I thought that there was some potential for some big plays. Just just didn't happen. Um, and overall, I guess disappointing in the running game, but. I thought from the running back potential, Sean, pretty pretty happy as far as what might might happen in the future, I guess. I agree. Um, the running backs last year, that there were a lot of times that they would just miss holes, and the, the offensive line wasn't good last year. I don't want to say I don't want to say they were, but they just there'd be holes there, and they'd be dancing in the backfield or. Noah Kane looked slow uh, for most of last year, just couldn't get there. Where last, uh, on Thursday night, it felt like Katron Allen and Nick Singleton especially had a lot of burst. And they saw the hole, they hit the hole. Saw the hole, hit the hole. And Kevon Lee was also a lot more decisive than he was last year. Um, last year, he did a lot of dancing, bef- dancing behind the line before hitting a hole. I, I didn't really get it because that's not his game. Um, it might have been just him adding a new tool, but not knowing how to use it. And on Thursday night, he looked like the incumbent who is facing a tough primary challenge. And that's because he is. And he knows it. And I was... I was overall pretty impressed by him. Uh, and I was happy to see Devin Ford make a cameo, have that big have that big fourth down catch as well. Um, another good, um, I hesitate to even call, uh, another good, uh, definitely the left side of the line. Uh, Olo's a stud. I mean, he's, he's going to be, I, I don't want to, I don't want to say he's going to be an all timer, but he's going to, he's going to be, well remembered, I think by the time his by by the time his uh, playing years is are over at Penn State. Um, yeah, I thought, and I agree with you. I think pass protection was generally pretty good, except for the right tackle spot. Um, the, the the one whiff by Wallace. I mean that you could get your quarterback killed like that. Um, but generally, I thought pass pro was was pretty good. Um, another good I want to focus on is Jonathan Sutherland, who was beat up a lot on this podcast. I thought he played a good game. I really did. And then going back and rewatching, I almost doubled down on saying he played a good game. Yeah. Yeah. I would, uh, not ready to eat crow just yet, but yeah, I thought he played, he got to the quarterback a couple of times. I thought he'd played pretty well in space, which is something that we were going to be pretty hard on him with. And I thought he did okay. Uh, nothing crazy, but I thought he did okay. Um, I thought I had something else to add to the running game department, but, oh, I was just going to say there was a lot less tackles for loss though, right? Like there was a lot less one yard or minus one yard or zero yard gains. There was more three yard, four yard gains. And so that honestly, it seems like we're just kind of reaching, but that's a positive. You, if you're in a second and seven, second and six, Typically, Penn State, when they ran the ball, we're still in second and nine, second and 10, second and 11. So it it doesn't seem like much when it's all said and done, but there were some positives in that 
you know, in those. And also, I felt like in the short yarded situations, we did pretty good. Catron Allen had that one good run on a third and short. Obviously, the 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 two yard QB sneak. Um, there was moments of of okay, maybe they are getting some push. So, um, yeah. And then, like you said, yeah, Jonathan Sutherland. We'll have to wait and see, but he needs to be what if he can give us what he gave us um, on Thursday. You, you kind of feel a little bit better about that. Uh, I, I can't believe we've got an hour and thirty minutes and haven't spoken about the special teams really. Thought the special teams, in a way, maybe won us this football game. Uh, Barney and Moore, first punt, not so great, only 38 yards, but then maybe he was just nervous because after that he was lights out. Actually, it was better than what the stats show because Daquan Hardy accidentally knocked the ball into the end zone, would have been down at the one-yard line. Um, so he did a phenomenal job, uh, and uh, it looks like he was just ready for the job. I, I mean, it, it kind of shows us, Sean, why that kind of that punting decision was made pretty quickly. In, in camp because it seemed like he was he was ready to, to take over the job and and he was not going to relinquish it and and he had some really important punts in that football game and I feel coming out of that game as far as anything I feel like really good about as far as the question mark I was 100% answered punting is one of the ones I'm like okay I, we can maybe rely on punting which is something we weren't sure of coming into the year yeah Barney and Moore Really, really impressed. I, I did not expect him to be so good. I was sort of worried when he was uh, the the um, name the punter because I was like, oh, is Bachetta, uh is, is, is he struggling? Is he not getting the job done? No, it's just because Barney Amore is really good. And that was encouraging to see. I also liked uh, Gabe Nuoso uh, kicking the ball into the end zone. Uh relatively consistently um i i thought he i i think he's your best kickoff guy uh at least from what i saw Me too. on thursday night uh because he he could he could bomb the ball and he he he's a big he's a big man so i agree with yeah. that i thought he had some really good kicks and in general even when they didn't go in the end zone uh i was gonna say the coverage on punts and kickoffs where it was very, very good. good and that was a a question mark going into because we were no longer getting touchbacks on every single punt and kickoff or kickoff, I should say. Um, yep. And so that was, that was a pleasant surprise. I thought again, Daquan Hardy did a pretty good job on kickoffs. Uh, I think Dom DeLuca had a good tackle too. That might've been on a punt. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure, but whatever the case was, I thought they did really good there. Um, didn't have to see a field goal kick, which I'm kind of happy about, but he did, that. did the job on PATs, which at sometimes last year, Jordan Stout even struggled with. So that was nice to see. And, I mean, if you're looking at the field goals, the PATs, they weren't like they were squeaking by. They weren't like they were line drives. They were pretty straight and right down the middle. So that was um, the thing that was good to see from Jake Pinnaker. Yeah, um, I love touchdowns. I like them a lot better than field goals. So I was happy to not have to kick uh, kick any field goals. And Pinnaker did his job an extra point. So no complaints there. All together, I give Stacy Collins' group, I give him an A. So, well done. Yep. There you go. I agree with that. The uh, the last thing I wanted to mention as far as good, I was just going to come out and say, like, just having the guts, right? Going on the road in a Big Ten environment, getting down late in a, such a deflating play as that pick six was, and the defense stepping up. Again, Diaz turned up the dial a little bit, got a little bit uh, more aggressive. But just in general, I thought a lot of guys showed a lot of resiliency. I mean, Keandre Lambert-Smith showed some resiliency. The defensive line got more pressure late. 
Uh, Johnny Dixon, a guy who had some trouble, was a little grabby in my opinion, but he came up with a big sack late. He came up with a couple of big pass uh, defenses late. Uh, we didn't even mention Kalen King yet, but he was just so good, no one even tried to throw it to him, really. Um, but I thought, all in all, even on the offensive side of things, uh, we talked Sean Clifford a bunch, but just the overall guts and dog to come out and win this game, going down late on the road in a Big Ten environment, when this was a big game for Purdue. Like I think when this is all said and done, especially when you're looking at the Big Ten West right now, and Wisconsin looked meh yesterday against Illinois State and uh we're gonna get into those in a second but but Iowa looked meh Purdue really might end up being one of if not the best team in the Big Ten West and we might be looking back at this and going holy crap Penn State went on the road and won that game so and and was down late in that game with two minutes left and, and found a way to get the job done so I think this was a good sign as far as what what this team might have in the testicular fortitude moving forward. So that's something I wanted to point out too, because there's been times where we didn't sure Mm -hmm. if these teams had it. And I think this team at least early on does. Yeah. What's that D word you mentioned dog. And this team seems to have some dogs on it. And I really, I love teams like that, that, you know, you bet you have to battle back and on both sides of the ball, they did because the defense you know, wasn't looking that great in the third quarter. And then fourth quarter comes and Purdue couldn't do anything anymore. And part of it is that they're not equipped to run a four minute offense. Uh, but also the, the defense, the defensive line was in their face most of the fourth quarter. And when we took the lead, I was pretty confident we weren't giving it up because sometimes you take a lead late and you immediately think, God, oh, we gave them too much time. And we gave them 57 seconds, which, of course, that's enough time to go down and score a touchdown. Uh, But I had a feeling it wasn't going to happen because we were in their face the whole the the whole fourth quarter. So I love the resilience. I love the character. Uh, Also, I want to mention Kane King because I don't think we mentioned him enough because they didn't throw at him. They decided to throw Porter Jr. more and Joey Porter might be a first round pick. So what does that tell you about Kalen King? (laughs) <laughs> that that they were too afraid to throw at him. So big I think he to, has better. I think he has better form, better hips than Joey mm-hmm. Porter Jr. I think, and this just sounds bad, um, and it's not a knock on Joey Porter Jr. But Joey Porter Jr.'s length with his arms bails him out quite a bit, in my opinion. And Kalen King right. doesn't have as long of arms. And now that's not again not a knock on Joey Porter Jr. Use what God gave you. Um, but Kalen King is able to stay in uh, phase with his wide receivers sometimes, and I really don't. I would probably tear both my ACLs and trying to do what what he's able to do. So, yeah, I thought he's very we were, smooth. Yeah, well, we were. Uh, I mean, there's still some question marks as far as Kalen King coming to the year. Like, yeah, he played a lot last year, but I mean, we weren't necessarily positive he was going to be able to step into a full time role, and and he's he looked really good. Um, on Thursday. Well, I don't think we need to go into surprises. We covered everything. Effner came in for a little bit for Wallace. Chop Robinson played a lot. Got that sack late. Uh, Drew Aller obviously playing. I think we covered all that pretty well, Sean. So let's go around the country um, and talk about some of these games. I will say the pick'em wise, people ended up with around 10 points. So that includes a two-point 
if you got the uh, if you got your uh, double down correct, the Indiana game, Indiana came back late and beat Illinois, so that that hurt some people in the pick'em. Um, I'll get the pick'em open sometime today. I'm recording this on Sunday, so we'll uh, we'll get that open for next week as soon as we can, and we'll kind of show you where everyone how everyone did. But um, I wanted to mention Iowa, seven three game against South Dakota State. They did not have a touchdown, ladies and gentlemen. A field goal and two safeties to beat the Jackrabbits. We mentioned that game might be close. It was. Um, Nebraska looked awful against North Dakota. Not North Dakota State, just North Dakota. Um, yeah, they got some issues there. They pulled away late. I think it was 24-17 was the final there. Maybe they got an extra touchdown. I, it, regardless, it was uh, it was not a good showing by Nebraska coming off that loss to Northwestern. Um, Georgia can open to Oregon. I wanted to just mention that, kind of giving everybody an idea. Oregon was ranked 11th by the AP poll, but I will say this. The Josh Pate poll did not have Oregon ranked, which just kind of goes to show that Josh Pate knows more than all of the writers. And also, I mean, it was backed up, by the way. Georgia just absolutely planted them. Um, UNC was in a close game with Appalachian State, probably the, the one of the best games of the day, back and forth. That was that was an insane game. UNC had a onside kick return for a touchdown. If the guy just would have fell down, they would have won the game, but he took it back for a touchdown, and App State goes right back down and scores. Uh, they failed on two two-point conversions. Otherwise, App State would have got the upset win. That was an insane game. NC State ranked 13th in the AP poll. Only reason they won was because East Carolina's kicker missed a PAT and a field goal as time expired. So uh, NC State lucky to still be 1-0. And then the last game shot I wanted to mention, Ohio State and Notre Dame. Ohio State's uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba was banged up for pretty much the entire game. And without him, Ohio State looked pretty mortal, Sean. Notre Dame didn't do anything on offense, only scored 10 points. But Ohio State, until they committed to the running game, really struggled uh, to produce a lot of points. Yeah, and that's that's a little bit of the of um, what Ryan Day does. Um, he tends to get a little pass happy, and I remember thinking, and we we discussed this too. Just run the ball. Like your offensive line is really good. Just run the ball, pound the rock, and when they did, uh, Notre Dame kind of fell off. And our friend uh, our friend Mike uh, correctly pointed out. Man, that game looks familiar. That Notre Dame Ohio State game, because that's exactly how we play Ohio State every single year, pretty much. And you, sometimes you just don't have enough horses. So because Ohio State's really freaking good. Um, yeah, I, thought, I, I, I think it, our offense is going to do better than Notre Dame's offense against them. For the for the yeah, record, yeah, I, I I could see that too. Um, Nebraska, I, I was really hoping they lose to North Dakota. I, I just I just love watching Nebraska. It, it's so fun. <laughs> I have a good time. You have a good time. We all have a good time. Um, Michigan State also, I want to mention, they struggled a little bit with Western Michigan, uh, but they did but they did end up pulling away. Uh, so that's something to watch. And the, uh, Mel Tucker's transfers, as we've discussed on this pod, um, still, I'm still having luck in the transfer portal. So... 
and um, Michigan crushed uh, whatever high school team they played yesterday. Yeah, Colorado State. Right, yeah. Colorado State. Well, I think that was, yeah, I think that's a pretty good, um, we, we didn't learn a bunch. I think we learned a couple things about some Big Ten teams this week. Uh, but again, make sure to get into the pick We had 30 responses last week, so um, there's definitely some room to you're, – you're, you're not out of it just because you missed week one, but you should definitely get in sooner than later because the games are going to keep happening. And then once Big Ten play hits, there's a little bit less games. So um, this is your time in the non-conference maybe to pick up some easy points um, when Michigan plays teams like Colorado State, et cetera. So uh, the, the double downs get harder as the year goes on, so – um, there's some free points to be had right now. Again, it's free to play. Just go on to Twitter. We, we actually dropped the link in the description last time too. Um, and you just fill out the, the Google form and I'll take care of the rest. So, uh, make sure you guys go ahead and do that. Uh, again, if you guys little housekeeping on them, if you guys did not remember, we will be back on Wednesday. So we'll, the, the pod will be out Wednesday night slash Thursday morning, uh, to preview Ohio. We're going to two shows a week for the regular season so uh you do not have to wait until sunday to hear from us again so uh that's exciting sean before we get out of here i just wanted to check our predictions from last week um what what score did you have do you remember what your score was 27 20 27 20 so seven point differential so you're pretty close there on the differential i had a little bit higher differential of uh 10 points i said 34 24 uh, so I thought we were both relatively in the in the right ballpark. Um, nobody on Twitter correctly picked the game. I was going to give away a sticker, but nobody honestly was even really that close. Um, so whatever, next time. But um, also, I wanted to talk about our bold predictions. You thought that the first touchdown, and I gave you a, a pretty low number on the boldness scale, but it still didn't even happen. Uh, you thought Kevon Lee was going to score the nope. first touchdown for Penn State, and that did not happen. <laughs> and I thought we were going to have a single person that uh, we're going to have a hundred-yard rusher by a single person. And not only did we not have that, Penn State did not even end up with a hundred yards rushing, including all the sack yardage and whatnot. Um, so neither of us were correct on our bold predictions. You'll have to wait until Thursday to get our bold predictions for the Ohio game. Um, but I just wanted to let everyone know how kind of where those fell. Sean, final thoughts before we get out of here. Yeah, um, my final thoughts is enjoy the win. Uh, there, there's, there was a lot of controversy, uh, particularly at the quarterback position. But guys, you have to be able to enjoy a win, too. We went into a relatively hostile environment, a fired-up crowd, and we beat a team that won nine games last year. So enjoy it. There are a lot of teams that are very unhappy right now because they lost yesterday and uh, Friday night and Thursday night. So enjoy the win. Be happy you're one and all. Right, right. I mean, there's a lot of teams that struggled. So I, I agree with that sentiment. And week one, you're just trying to survive. You're just trying to find a way to get the job done. And Penn State was able to do that on the road in, I don't want to call it Purdue Super Bowl, but there was a lot of hype for this Purdue team coming to the year. A lot of people were believing and they still can have a great year, but it was a big time win. And like I said, I think when we, and it's all said and done at the end of the year, regardless of how, what Penn State ends up doing, 
you could argue at the end of the year, people are like, how the heck did Penn State go on the road and beat Purdue? Um, that, that, that's something I think honestly could, could happen. So, yeah, big-time win. And, again, you feel a little bit better about Auburn. Um, I was going to mention real quick, Auburn, T.J. Finley was supposed to be their starting quarterback. He looked awful against Mercer. He had two really bad interceptions. So they pulled him and went with Robbie Ashford. So two weeks away, but Auburn does not have their quarterback situation figured out. And their center um, is out for the season with an injury. So I wanted to throw that out there, a little tidbit for that. Um, oh, and Ohio beat FAU 41-38. I thought I would mention that, too. That was a big win for Ohio. Um, anywho, uh, yeah, enjoy it. And um, when it's all said and done, this might have been a really big-time win. It makes you feel better about the Auburn game in two weeks as well. So. Uh, that will do it for us. If you've made it this far in the podcast, please consider subscribing. And if you want a hardcore Penn State football sticker, make sure to drop a five-star review. We'll read it on the show. Um, but that's all I have. Sean, 1-0, literally 1-0 on the season. Um, move on to Ohio now. Boiler down, boy. Boiler down. And I'm Ohio. Yes, sir. Well, for hardcore Penn State football and Sean Kane, I'm Corey Laskoki. Until Wednesday night slash Thursday morning, we'll see you later. Bye, everybody. Thank you.